Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Good evening, everyone. Thanks for joining me for this week's Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta, founder of singleinthecity.ca with TV personality, philanthropist, and an all-around amazing woman, Joan Kelly Walker. Hi. Hi, Laura. Hi, everybody. Hey. Uh, We're now about a year into the pandemic with lockdowns, isolation, and a lack of normal human contact. Many of us are really struggling with mental health issues more than ever before. Tonight's guest is someone who can shed a little light onto the struggles that we may be facing. I'm joined by Melody Murray. She's a therapist with a focus on marriage, family, and children's therapy at Parks Therapy. She's a TV host, a keynote speaker, and she is a contributor to that show, you know, The Doctors with Dr. Ian Smith, that hot guy. (laughs) Tonight, (laughs) we'll be discussing the current state of our mental health, what to look out for, and tips for supporting those around you who are currently struggling. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Mel. Thank you for having me. This is really important, and, and, and I'm grateful to be here. And Mel and I met on Clubhouse. That's this new app that's taken the world by storm. And it's so amazing, the connections that you can make on this app. And uh, so welcome, welcome. And you are calling us from L.A., I believe. Actually, no, a little further up. I'm not in L.A. right now. I'm up in Seattle, Washington right now. Well, welcome. Welcome. This felt like such a timely topic to chat about this tonight. Um, last week we had Bell Talk, uh, Let's Talk Day, an annual event that helps to shed a little light on mental health and the stigma attached to it. Things like this help to bring more awareness and openness around the topic, but we're, we definitely need to do more work at making this conversation last more than a day. So Mel, what do you think we can do to keep the conversation going and continue to make progress? You know, I think that we all have to take the opportunity to be vulnerable to the people that are around us. Um, you know, take a chance, be brave. We've all had those experiences where, you know, we connect with someone and they share something really private, really intimate with us. And we feel seen and they feel seen and they feel heard and connected. So I think just being brave and allowing yourself to be that first person to speak up and discuss how you're feeling, discuss what's on your mind, and then just, you know, crossing your fingers and just allowing the conversations to flow to make it more normal. Mel, someone mentioned to me recently, you are what you say to yourself and that those in that inner speak affects you on a cellular level. How do you encourage people to have positive, you know, that positive voice inside their head when a lot of us are really struggling right now? You know, it's, I, I believe that wholeheartedly, um, how we feel affects how we, you know, I believe that wholeheartedly, you know, what we're thinking and how we're feeling is definitely connected to what we're doing. And so positive self-talk is an actual therapeutic intervention. So we do need to be talking, you know, talking very well to ourselves. We need to be our own best cheerleaders because those things that kind of bounce around in our mind, you know, that is connected to how we feel. So, you know, our knee-jerk response could be to be negative or to be pessimistic. Allow yourself your knee-jerk response. You know, you've probably cultivated that for a lifetime. 
allow that, but then push yourself into something more positive, not unrealistic. Be realistic, but you definitely need to be positive about your surroundings, yourself, how you feel, and what you're capable of getting through. So we have to acknowledge it first and sort of like let it resonate and accept it for what it is and then work through that. I, yeah, that's how I feel. I, I feel that, you know, we are in a really tough time right now, and it's so important to, to acknowledge that it's scary, it's uncertain, it's unpredictable. All those things are bothersome. I'm not saying ignore any of it, but just own it and then look for what's going well, what's going right, what is safe and secure in your particular environment. Look for the, the good things that are happening instead of focusing on the negative. Do you have any other coping mechanisms that you can share with us? You know what? Yeah, I think that, you know, I'm a big fan of journaling, just writing out what's on your mind. And I'm a big fan of like the stream of consciousness. This isn't, it, it's not an essay. No one's going to grade it. But a lot of times, sometimes we don't feel comfortable sharing what's going on in our minds. So just write it down because it, it's like, you know, creating a clean slate in your mind and, and journaling things before you go to bed can shake things out of your brain. Um, also, I think, you know, home improvement projects, baking, doing crossword puzzles, anything that can help you feel productive and, you know, sometimes just passing the time. Whenever we're trying to get through tough situations, I like to do like an equal part, equal parts of distraction and diving in, distracting yourself from what's going on by being productive, but then also validating what's going on inside, because it's, it's important for you to understand that if you're feeling frenzied, if you're feeling fatigued, if you're feeling upset, you know, pinpoint where that's coming from to just validate what's going on. And I also like doing a thing called checking the facts, you know, because a lot of times whenever we feel this anxiety, it's connected to stuff that may never happen. Those are just worries. So, so take the moments that you need to, to, to delineate the facts of the situation, and then what's just your opinion and your fear and, and fall in line with the facts of the situation so you don't spiral too much. And I know what works for me is just keeping myself busy. You know, I've, mm -hmm. I've just been on this, this Clubhouse app and, and I've been on it a lot and I'm just trying to grow my business through it, make amazing connections. There are some great people on there. So just having conversations just really helps with that. And also surrounding yourself like with positive people. Um, I know we can't physically see them, but you can hop on a phone call with them. You know, you can use Zoom. I know when I start fe having feelings of anxiety or I have start having feelings of doubt, I tend to just lean on my friends, you know, so mm -hmm. um, just call somebody, lean on your friends. If you're feeling down, you need, don't need to be going through that alone. Just reach out, make sure, because that's really, really important. Very true. Very true. And sometimes, you know, exercise, I'm a big fan of exercise. It can help shake out that anxious energy. It's also a distraction. You also feel productive doing it and it raises the serotonin levels in your brain. So it just makes you feel better. And, and, you know, if the things that we haven't mentioned, and obviously there's so many more coping skills, if you find that you're trying multiple things and nothing's working, maybe you go to your doctor. You know, sometimes medication is the way to go 
whether it's, you know, it could be just a temporary fix just to get you over the hump. So another thing that really works for me is just trying to have some kind of routine because you know, you could exist these days, seeing as we're so locked down right now, without any structure to your day. So I find it really helps. And I have dogs and that really helps because, you know, they have to go out at a certain time and I feed them at the same time. And um, so is that something that you recommend as well as try and create a new routine for yourself? Absolutely. You know, what we're going through right now, We've never gone through this before. And so sometimes, you know, falling back on the usual things, the things that we did before, we just don't have access to them or they're just not, it's just not possible right now. So creating a new routine is a great, great idea because it's going to switch your brain up too. You know, that fatigue can come on when we're doing the exact same thing over and over and over again. And whenever it, you know, comes to exercise, so many trainers talk about, you know, you can reach a plateau and then you have to shock the body. You have to switch things up. So absolutely, that is something that's super helpful when it just comes to our mental health, doing things differently. And there's so many studies that show that pets, especially dogs and cats, can really reduce stress, anxiety, and depression and, and ease loneliness. So I encourage you, if, if Go out and get a pet, I mean, and adopt one. You know, there are so many pets out there that are just looking for mm. a really good home. Yeah, we didn't plan on getting these two little puppies that I have right now because of COVID. We had planned on it before, but I am just so grateful and thankful to have them in my house. And they really do lift my spirits all day, every day. And they're so fun and funny. I find my son and I just sit, we play with them, we laugh. It's It's been really wonderful. Yeah, and you can kiss them to death. I literally smother my dog. <laughs> That's awesome. Down here in the States, there has been like the shelters, the animal shelters are practically empty from coast to That's coast. That's amazing. So many people got pets. Yeah, it's wonderful. So many people adopted pets because they are so helpful. They just help us feel great. We need to take a break, ladies. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, or go through some of the signs that signify that it may be time to get help. We'll be right back. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You're listening to Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca with my co-host, Joan Kelly Walker, with our special guest, therapist, Melody Murray. We're chatting about mental health and strategies to help you and your family cope. Thanks for joining us. Now, of course, it can be really hard to take a look inside and to come to terms with our experience. What are some of the things that we should be looking for in ourselves that might signify that it's time to get help? You know, I think a big thing that is an, an indicator on how you're feeling is how you're sleeping. You know, you're noticing that you're sleeping more or sleeping less. Are you eating more or eating less? There's so many psychological assessments that include these two questions because, you know, a lot of times we sleep a lot because we're depressed or we eat a lot because we're anxious. So just paying attention to what you're doing inside and if there are any changes that are going on. Um, also, just noticing if you are reacting to situations differently than you have before, you know, are you seeing that you anger easily? Are you becoming more irritable? Are things that, you know, things that used to not bother you at all are bothering you or things that you used to just let roll off your back 
are agitating you, annoying you, or are you apathetic and you're just numb? You feel nothing. You don't care. If you've noticed that your responses to things are different, then maybe maybe you're going through something. Maybe you're going through anxiety. Maybe you've got some level of depression. And just be patient with yourself. Pay attention to it. Be patient with yourself. But ask yourself those tough questions. Yeah, and I know that for myself. Sorry. Is there a delay? Um, Okay, I'll just go and then, Joan, you go. Okay. (laughs) I know that for myself. You know, I get down sometimes and, uh, you know, sometimes it can last a week, sometimes it can last two weeks, but I, I can bounce back. And I know that's circumstantial depression. Let's talk about the difference between clinical and circumstantial depression. You know, circumstantial depression is, it's it's the obvious down that you feel when something happens. You know, the death of someone that you care about, losing a job, a disappointment in life, and that just the natural feelings that you have connected to those experiences. But clinical depression, it's there regardless. It's there regardless of whether you're on the top of the world or down in the dumps. And so if you find that it's just this sustained feeling of exhaustion and irritability and sadness, that could be clinical depression. And there are multiple assessments that you can find, free assessments that you can find online where you can take really short tests to see, you know, are, you know, how irritable are you? Is this a daily thing or just, you know, a couple of times a week or, you know, once a month? You know, how's your sleeping? Are you hopeless? So just asking yourself those tough questions and just be really honest about at what level are you feeling these things and, and then seeking out help, whether it's a therapist or a doctor, just talking about what it is that you're experiencing. Because the faster you talk about it and acknowledge these things, the faster you can feel better. And sometimes people like re- refrain from going to the doctor, though, because they don't want to take medication. So what do you have to say about that? You know Medication's okay, right? If you need it, you need it. It's okay to take it. Here's the thing. Exactly. If you broke your foot, are you not going to go to the hospital and put a cast on it? If you've got a heart issue, you're going to take heart medication. I don't understand how people don't realize that your brain is one of the most important organs in your body. So why not take care of it? You know, the chemicals in all of our brains are there at different levels. Some people have this natural up. They have this natural, you know, high, you know, going on. They're just upbeat people. But some people don't. And it's just chemical. It's just, you know, genetically, we're all built a little bit differently. So I can understand not wanting to take medication. Um, And maybe you don't have to. But there are so many other things that you can do before then. Exercise is a big one. But do all of these other interventions, exercise, getting social, being productive. And if you realize you're doing all of those things and you've created a routine doing all those things and nothing changes, then it may be clinical depression and you may have to have a medical intervention. But I definitely think that starting all the natural uh, interventions first is a good way to go. I agree with that. But my thing about medications is I would be worried, like, are they getting the right medication the first time? And then, you know, if they have to change the medication, how much is the first medication affecting the second medication? Like, this is what I'm I'm really not clear about that. I know people that have gone on medication and they can't wait to get off it or it has to get changed a few times until they find the right one. And in the meanwhile, the person's feeling really unwell so how like what about that you bring up a really good point you know doctors make their best guess 
You know, they, they take in what your symptoms are. They find out what your genetic history is, your background, what's happened within your family and, and what your desires are. And they truly do make their best guess. And whether it's, you know, dealing with um, mood disorders or dealing with, you know, stroke and hypertension, there are multiple medications on the market for all kinds of ailments because everyone's body chemistry is different. So, you know, doctors are, you know, doing the best they can. But sometimes, yes, medications will have to be changed and tinkered with to find out the perfect formula for you. Um, when it comes to kids, you know, that is very much a concern because kids have a developing brain. And so I think that whenever you're seeing things in your child, definitely finding a child psychiatrist or, you know, a, per, a primary care physician that is comfortable prescribing meds for kids because you want to take into account that their brains are still developing and, and, and you want someone that knows how to handle that. Plus, you'd have to keep a really close eye on your kid because it takes time for each medication to kick in. It takes time for it to leave the system, and then it would take time for the new medication to work. So, you know, just as a parent looking at that, it would be like you'd have to be like uber sensitive to your kid and what feelings you're getting from your kid and have that dialogue with your kid on how they're feeling. Joan, you're absolutely right. And that's why those first appointments right after a medication is prescribed or changed, those first follow-up uh, appointments are the most important because the person that's taking the medication, there's that time where they can talk about, is it working? Is it not working? Do I feel better? Do I feel worse? And then on the outside, as a parent or as a partner, you talking about what you're observing, does that person seem better? Do they seem more focused? Do they seem calmer? Do they seem less fidgety? You know, having those reports on both ends are extremely, really helpful because it helps the doctor know what to do. Do they need to increase a dosage, decrease a dosage, or try a completely different medication altogether? And I think you mentioned now that we're talking about kids, I think social media habits are really to blame nowadays too. So if your kids are experiencing, you know, depression, it could be social media depression. It's a real thing that affects people like young and old. Um, and it's not only harmful to our mental health, but it's also harmful to our physical health. I mean, there's so much cruelty online. Like I'm just noticing even on this clubhouse app, there's, there's so much drama going on with people like bullying other people and being mean to people. <laughs> so, really? so, but yeah, yes, I've been, yes, I've been in some rooms where people are having these discussions. I was just in one last night and then I woke up this morning and I went on there and they were still talking about the same thing. I go, I'm like, you guys have been up for 10 hours talking about the same thing. <laughs> you guys are creating more drama. Mm -hmm. So between the cruelty yeah. of online bullies, and the inadequacy kids feel when comparing themselves to their peers, social media can do a number on their psyche. So do you have oh, yeah. any suggestions around that? If you're noticing your child, um, you know, experiencing some depression because of, of their online um, activities. Sure. I think it's, I think it's unrealistic to think that your child is going to police themselves. You know, I'm 48 years old. I can barely police myself. So I think, you know, just the way <laughs> the world is going, so many adults are expecting their kids to function like adults, and it's just not fair. 
So you're going to have to instill time limits because they're not going to do it. But allowing the distress of that situation, it's going to be uncomfortable. But it's, you know, the bigger picture that you're looking out for. You know, people will die, you know. Kids especially will dive into social media because they don't have cars. They can't go out and hang with friends. And sometimes it's just safer to have that level of distance from people. But it can be too much when you're looking to get validation from absolute strangers. And then you get bullied sometimes. Like it's cruel because the things that people are doing to each other, it lasts forever when it's out there in the ether. So I think it's really important for parents to have conversations with their kids about whatever limits they want their kids to have, but then you have to model it. You cannot tell a child, especially a teenager, not to be online all the time when you're online all the time. You know, not talking about work, of course, but, you know, if you've got the phone on at the dinner table and you're going back and forth, you cannot expect a kid to do things that you're not doing because they'll call you out. <laughs> they will call you out for, doing <laughs> yeah. for sure. Mm -hmm. So whatever you want your kid to do, you need to do. If you want your kid to you know, engage in self-care, they need to see you doing it. If you want your kid to exercise, they need to see you doing it. So if you want them to read books, they have to see you doing it. If not, it just seems you know, hollow, and it doesn't really matter because if you're not doing it, it's not that important. So why should I? Plus, I think you need to plan you, because if there's a fall on social media, it happens so fast. And it's usually a really big fall. Like if somebody posts a picture of you that's really embarrassing or something, I mean, that just happens all at once in an instance, and it can affect your life in such a great way. So I think you really need to plan, like, who has access to a photo of you that might be embarrassing? Who, um, you know, who could potentially do something? Like, you have to make sure that you're really protecting yourself for your social media and, mm -hmm. you know, whatever you're presenting. You have to, you have to plan that. You can't just willy nilly go on there and make a comment because if you're if you're making a knee jerk reaction, it can blow up in your face. Absolutely. And you can't control what other people are going to say or going to do. You just can't. I mean, yeah. you can try to plan as much as you can, but you, you can only plan on your end of things. You have no idea, you know, how stable strangers are that, you know, want to be keyboard commandos and attack people. We just don't know what, you know, what someone's working with, you know, stability wise. So there's a lot that you can plan for, but some that you just can't. And it sucks because we do get those. As soon as you get an alert on your phone that someone sends a message to you, it's a dopamine shot to the brain. And that's where addiction comes in. And so then if you post something like you were saying and you get a negative reaction to it, then it's an instant your, your brain instantly you know, locks onto that. And then you can go into a spiral for that. So I just think putting it in perspective and balancing out where you're putting your energy, it cannot all be social media. Yeah, I think you have to turn off your notifications so that you're going on when you have predetermined when you're going to go on. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great That would be idea. my advice. Yeah. I have mm -hmm. my notifications turned off. Otherwise, my phone would be pinging all day and I would get yeah. no work done. <laughs> yeah. Between exactly. all my social platforms, like, how do you get any work done? I'm, I'm struggling right now as it is. Now, for many people dealing with mental health issues, reaching out to someone for help can be really hard. How would you recommend facing this and getting in touch with someone, whether it's your friend, your family, a professional, to get the help that you need? 
So I think that it's really helpful to talk to someone you trust. If you feel that, you know, there are people in your circle, whether it's a friend, a family member, or a doctor, talk to them and let them know what you're feeling. Um, But sometimes it's easier to open up to an absolute stranger. Sometimes we don't want the people in our circle knowing what's going on with us. So Google, you know, get on the Internet and do searches for therapists, do searches for interventions to help whatever it is that you're going through, because you're not alone in it. We've all had feelings of, you know, we've all had moments where we feel down, where we feel overwhelmed. You're not alone in that. So, you know, if you don't want to go to a therapist or your doctor, get on the Internet and find other people going through similar things and get support. Thank you, Mel. We need to take a break. How to create a healthy dialogue at home around mental health coming right up. Stay with us. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. And we're back. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show. This is Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta, joined by Joan Kelly Walker. And tonight's guest, Melody Murray, is Melody is um, a therapist. And tonight she's sharing some insight into coping with mental health issues during the pandemic. Welcome back to the show, everybody. This is a great show. So important to have right now. And uh, so grateful that I connected with you, um, like what, three days ago, Mel? At, in a room at 1230 in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> and here we are now. We're, we're bonded for life now, Laura. <laughs> we're bonded for life. At this point in time, so many of us are feeling exhausted. We're feeling fatigue. You know, the uncertainty of things constantly changing. We feel isolated and it can be really exhausting and overwhelming. What can we do to refresh ourselves and to push past that mental fatigue? Uh, maybe some self-care activities um, or something that contri- can contribute to better mindfulness. What, do you, what tips do you have for us there, Mel? Well, I'm a big fan of changing environments. You know, if you're doing it and in simple ways, I mean, obviously right now, a lot of us can't get on planes and trains, but you can change things within your own home environment. You can switch up where you're working. You can switch up where you're sleeping, sleep in the backyard or sleeping in the living room and, and put your tent up. You know, I I think distractions are a great way to get through certain things. Exercise, you know, sex, have some sex. You know, that's we can't have sex if you're single, Mel. Mel, you can't have sex if you're single. You can have have sex with yourself. Yes, you can. Well, yes, I encourage everybody out there have sex with yourself. See, Dr. Mel's telling us. (laughs) Why not? Why not? You know, and just think about, you know, think about the future. We're not going to be in this position forever. So feel free to set some new career goals, set some new education goals, create, you know, an itinerary for a future trip, you know, talking to fun people, but not about the pandemic. Like, make sure that that is off the table. We're not going to talk about the crap that's happening in the world. Talk about fun stuff, playing board games, you know, having your mind work in ways that it's not normally, you know, working. It can boost so many good things. So, you know, just try everything. Don't try just one thing and give up. Mix it up every day. Mix it up so that your brain keeps moving and so you're constantly feeling challenged, but in good, lighthearted ways. We're not tenting here in Canada. We're uh, building igloos. It's minus 15 over here. <laughs> just wanted to add that. <laughs> Go ahead, Joe. 
<laughs> so what about if you're living in lockdown with your partner? I mean, there's a pretty good chance that, you know, people get some moods or they are having mental health struggles and those would be affecting one another. How can we go about creating a healthy dialogue at home around mental health and how we're doing with a partner? Like, how do you talk about it when you're together 24-7? That is a good question. Um, I think that if your partner's your partner, that means that you feel definitely a sense of comfort with that person and some vulnerability there. I think that if your partner mentions something to you about how you may be acting or reacting, listen, don't feel defensive. Don't immediately feel attacked. Because I'm assuming that if your partner's bringing up something about how you're acting, they're looking out for you and they want to make the environment safe and fun and relaxed. So just keep in mind that, you know, the anxiety of the pandemic is this umbrella over everything that we're doing. And so the things that we were doing before are going to be a little more difficult. We're going to have this sense of overwhelm and anxiety over everything. So I don't think it's fair to have the exact same expectations on ourselves or our partners right now. So just, you know, having an open space and maybe you designate a certain time each day to talk about, you know, how you're feeling and what you're doing and what your stressors are and what's making you smile and happy. And, and so that it's not something that's lingering, you know, pick a certain time that you actually talk, not just chit chat, but just talk so that you are always on the same page about what's going on. Because right now, everything is unpredictable and all things are uncomfortable. And your home needs to be a really safe and serene place. And the only way to do that is opening up and feeling comfortable sharing and then creating that safe space for your partner to share too without judgment and without being defensive. I love that. Mm-hmm. Now, it's also important to check in with friends and family members to see how they're doing, especially if they live alone. And I'm grateful for my friends and family because they do that with me. I wasn't feeling well for about a week. Um, and, you know, every day I'd get a call. Are you okay? I'd have people dropping food off. So I'm grateful for that. So what are some of the signs that we should keep uh, an eye out for that might signify that uh, our friends or family members might be having a difficult time coping? Well, I think something to consider is how were your, your, the people close to you, how were they feeling and acting before this? If you know someone has a history of struggling, then you really need to keep a consistent eye on that person, consistently interact with that person. Um, silence. I think if you hear nothing from certain people, you need to check in on them. And sometimes we don't want to make someone feel uncomfortable. We don't want to act like nosy. But I think that it's important to just be, it's better to be safer than sorry. So, you know, if you notice that somebody's not engaging in work, not engaging in school, have they left the house at all? I would say pop in, you know, just like you were saying, people have brought you food, bring people food. Let that be the excuse. Bring people food, bring them a gift. And then whenever you're seeing them, do they seem clean? Are they wearing rumpled clothes? You know, are they eating? And I think those are really big indicators of how someone is feeling. And I say be pushy. You know, if someone is you know, not wanting to talk about it, but you can sense something's going on, you know, trust your intuition. Help your friend out help your family member out, be that person, and don't wait for them to ask for help. Just volunteer it. A lot of times we do this thing, well, tell me if you need anything, let me know if you need anything. That's a hard thing for a lot of people to say because they're afraid of being vulnerable for whatever reason. So just be proactive. 
Be proactive, put it out there, give a meal, invite them to a game, you know, go on a distance walk, all of those things. Just take the initiative because sometimes when people are really depressed, that's, they, they don't have the ability or the energy to do that. I have such financial struggles right now. So I think that's really weighing on it because you may not normally have the conversation with a friend. How's your finances? Uh, Can you pay your rent this month? How are you feeling that way? So it's kind of like a new territory, I think. Really sensitive. It really is on so many levels. You bring us so many good points because there are a lot of people that aren't doing well and we hear those stories but there are some people that are doing okay and they're feeling guilty about it um i say just call it out i think that you know where we were before where we were just kind of floating through life and everything was great that system has changed for so many people you know the 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 way the world was working before was not working for a lot of people and i think that that needs to be addressed and with kindness and with an open heart and an open mind that some people are thriving and some people are struggling and just err on the side of compassion. Put yourself out there. If you can help somebody, help them. Pity and guilt are their wasted energy. If you want to help, donate money, donate time, donate services. Do what you can to put yourself out there. Um, but just, you know, sticking with your own you know, your own stuff and just assuming everything is just going to, you know, work itself out. You know, if you're feeling like you want to interact or or interject or contribute, do it. We're going to take a break. We're going to continue with this discussion. We're talking about mental health here on the Dating and Relationship Show. Very important topic right now. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us. Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Thanks for joining us again on the Dating and Relationship Show. This is Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta with my co-host, Joan Kelly Walker, and our special guest, therapist, Melody Murray. She's uh, calling us from the United States of America. (laughs) We've been chatting about mental health during the pandemic, signs to look out for, and methods for coping. Let's get back to it. So before the break, we were talking about friends that might need help um, during a difficult time. I know that for myself, I know sometimes uh, when friends are going through a difficult time, uh, I've reached out and they, they tend to not get back to us. And then you keep reaching out and then they don't get back to you. And this is just like a, it's it's a cycle. And and so I sometimes can take it personal, you know, and I know other people do too. It's like, why is this person not getting back to me? But I think it's important to just, you know, because there's a fine line, right? Like what if they are struggling and you're afraid of obviously like, you know, suicide rate is on the rise and you don't want that to happen. But then again, you want to give them the space that they need in order to uh, get over or what they're dealing with, because some people, they just back away when they're going through trauma or something in their life. So how can we address that melody? You know, you bring up a good point when you talk about trauma right now, the world is turned upside down and we're all handling it the way we know how to handle it. And that's just what's been taught to us by our family or what we've learned on, on our own. 
fight, flight, or freeze is a trauma response that we can't control. So when we're feeling scared, when we're feeling stressed out, we will, I know of people that literally took off, they flew somewhere, or they fight, they hoard a bunch of toilet paper like they did in, in the United States. And sometimes it's freeze. Sometimes that freeze is literally shutting down and shutting out the world. If you notice that someone has completely cut people off, you know, if your knee-jerk response is to take that personally, okay, push past that to take care of your friend or your family member. Because again, I do believe it's better to be safe than sorry. The suicide rates, the numbers to the calls to the hotlines, people presenting to emergency rooms, it's skyrocketing. It has been rough for almost a year now. And it was tough under other, you know, previous circumstances. It was already tough. So I say show up, you know, show up physically, show up emotionally, call the cops and do a wellness check. If you're not in the same city as someone and you've got someone's address, there's nothing wrong with calling the police and having them knock on someone's door just to make sure that person's okay and say, this person is worried about you. Please give them a call because, mm. you know, that may, you, you may be afraid of going over the line, but I'd, I'd take that chance. If you're saving someone's life, I'd take that chance. And when you've got someone who's got depression, one of the symptoms of depression is low self-esteem. People don't want to be a burden to other people, so they may not feel comfortable asking for help. So waiting for someone with depression to ask for help, it can be futile. So just take the initiative and show up, show up, let them be upset. But at least if they're upset, they're still alive. Hmm. And also, you know, I think sometimes it's as simple as sending a text, just saying, I'm thinking of you, just to let them know that you're there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great idea, but make sure you solicit a response. And just say, you know, we don't have to have a long conversation. Just reply, even if it's just, if it's an emoji, something, reply so I know you've gotten this text. Are you in complete lockdown? No. Well, it depends. The lockdown here, it, it's different depending on the area. Um, the county I live in, is a, it's the biggest county in the state of Washington. And so our restrictions are higher than most people just because there are more people here. So, you know, you can go and come. Everyone has to wear a mask. You can go and come to work. There are no curfews as to when we have to go home. But it, it, it's definitely lighter. The restrictions are much lighter now than they ever have been. Restaurants are open again, still at a limited capacity. Um, so there is the ability to get out and, and be social and mix and mingle here. Yeah, so cause, because where we live here in Ontario, we are in complete lockdown. The only thing open and available to us is uh, the grocery store and box stores mm-hmm. like big box stores like Costco and Walmart. So mm-hmm. I think for people who are already struggling with depression and being alone during this time, just it just can be so incredibly lonely. Yes. I'm wondering if, if there could be like, quote unquote, a field trip to the grocery store where it's not just you that goes. It's a group of people that go in their own cars, but you meet up at the same time and do this outing. Or if you solicit lists from people that you care about that either can't go out or don't want to go out, then you can be that person. That can be your way of service, you know, to people where you do the grocery runs for them. You do the errands for them. That way you can connect with them and see how they're doing. They can PayPal you money, you know, to to be reimbursed for what you pay for 
but just that that's a good way and maybe set up a schedule where you meet with Lauren on Monday and Tom on Tuesday and someone else on Wednesday and and don't feel the pressure of having to do it all on your own maybe you put together a whole community effort and everyone takes turns everyone takes a day or a certain time of day to interact with the people that you know can't get out or feel uncomfortable getting out or don't want to John, what do you think? Do you think a yeah. singles party at a grocery store would fly? <laughs> I don't think so because I tried to go into Costco with two of my sons not too long ago and they told me that only one of us was allowed in. So I don't think that's going to go right now. But it's funny, I talked <laughs> wow. to a girlfriend yesterday and she said, you know, I haven't been out for groceries in two weeks. I'd really try and stretch it out so I'm not interacting with people because she's quite vulnerable. And she said, but you mm -hmm. know what? I put on mascara today. I did my hair. Yes. She said, you never know who yes. you're going to run into. And it made me feel better. And I'm a big advocate advocate of that. One thing that is really powerful for me for mental health, like I, I do my workouts every day, but something that makes a shift in me for the better is when I take that little bit of time, put on a little bit of makeup, do my hair, uh, put on something other than sweatpants or my pajamas, I feel yeah. better. And it's just a small thing, but it, it's it's got a lot of power to it. And, you know, anything we can do to support ourselves, hey, go to Costco, put on your mascara, put on your lip gloss, even though you've got a mask on, but at least it's something, right? And, and you know what makes Cute. me feel good is when I wear perfume. I love wearing perfume, oh, you know, when it, yeah. the, the scent, the scent dies off a bit. I just, I love that scent. Like it just reminds me of, uh, sexy confidence yeah <laughs> i love or it going out on dates or nightclubs <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> not right now well thank you so much for joining us tonight mel uh, mental health has definitely been brought to the forefront this past year and it's important uh, more important than ever to keep an eye on yours and to try healthy ways to cope if you or someone you know is struggling uh, mel where can we learn more about you Sure thing. Um, on all social media channels, you can find me at Melody, L-M-F-T, Melody Like Music, and then L-M-F-T, which stands for Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist. Um, and my website, parkstherapy.com. You can check out resources there and then uh, classes that I do for clients, um, whether it's individual or group. Uh, to help speed up the therapeutic process without actually doing full-on therapy. And yourself, Joan? Thank you, Mel. Sure On Instagram, I'm Joan Kelly Walker Official, and my website is joankellywalker.com. Also, if being alone and single is contributing to your mental health, I can definitely help. I'm matching singles through virtual events and my matchmaking service. Hit me up. You can message me through Instagram, official Laura Bellotta, or visit singleinthecity.ca. And don't forget to follow us at The Dating and Relationship Show on Instagram. Ciao for now, guys. Thanks for listening.